Hey Sans Vaisan! It's Jorgen Sundberg here with the Employer Branding Podcast. Brought to you by LinkHumans, London's Employer Branding Agency. This week, we're discussing brand. That's it, not employer brand, but brand brand. We're about to get a very short introduction. Let's start the show. Robert Jones, how are you? I'm very well, Jorgen, thank you. How are you? Very good, thank you. Now tell our listeners, uh, well, who you are and what you do, please. Okay, well, I'm Robert Jones. I'm a strategist at a brand consultancy in London called Wolf Olins. It's been around for 50 years, and I've actually been here half of that time, so worked on lots of organizations from uh, Virgin to um, Aviva to um, Skype and Google. Um, But I also teach branding at the University of East Anglia in Norwich in England. Um, So that's what I do on a Monday, Tuesday to Friday. I'm here in London working with clients on their brands. Great. And you've recently written a book called Branding, a very short introduction. Tell us about um, what prompted you to to write this book. Well, I suppose the simple answer is that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books about branding, but there actually actually isn't a very short introduction to the subject. Ah. And the books that exist tend to be either academic books that um, can be great but complicated um, or practical books that are really how-to books and I really wanted to do something that gave an overview of both of those worlds so it's both um, an insight into the the business the practical world of branding and how it gets done and who does it but also reflecting a little bit on what that means and the role of branding in society and culture more broadly so I think it does it and it's designed for a completely general audience that assumes no knowledge of branding at all and i think it's the first book to do that great okay and i caught a really bold statement from the book and it goes like this branding is the most powerful commercial and cultural force on the planet (laughs) please explain Um, okay well two components commercial and cultural um i think there's a very strong argument that branding is uh, the single most powerful commercial force because um, it represents brand represents a third <clears throat> of the total value of the stock market. So if you add up the value of all the companies, a third of that is attributed to their brands. So totally intangible um, stuff to do with brand. And I, I can't think of another um, thing in the business world that uh, takes up as much of the value there is in the world as that. So a third of the value of all the public businesses in the world is brand. So that's why I go for for commercial. Cultural, um, I I, I think it's the most powerful cultural force simply because it's the most ubiquitous cultural force. So, um, of course, um, religions are very important uh, forces. Um, Political parties are important forces. But there are very few that reach pretty much every corner of the planet and affect virtually everybody. So that, for instance, in the most remote parts of the world, you'll still see the red of Coca-Cola and you may also see the red of Manchester United. These things are just pervasive. Mm, Okay, right. And uh, 
Now, brand is a complex thing, if you will. What, um, what, what is a, how would you describe it in one or two sentences? It is a very complex thing, and everyone has a different definition. Um, I think the important thing is that it is, it's not the same thing as a logo or a slogan or a color. Mm. Um, what it is, it, it's the bunch of ideas that a company or a product or a service stands for in the minds of people out in the world. So um, IKEA, let's take that as an example. Um, the IKEA brand is not the IKEA logo or the blue and yellow colors um, or any of those things. It's this idea of um, accessible, affordable, uh, Scandinavian design um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and its place in our lives. That's what the IKEA brand is. And that's why it is so powerful. That's why brands are so valuable because they are in our heads. They kind of eat, they, they worm their ways into, our, into the minds of millions, billions of people. Uh, and that's what accounts for their <clears throat> value. And, and, and I think the really interesting thing which people um, forget is that when we talk about brands being in the minds of people, those people are not just consumers. They are also employees. So brands, of course, are very powerful out in the external marketplace, but they're also incredibly powerful inside the organization. And everybody in IKEA knows exactly what they're trying to achieve. Um, uh, the, the brand is built into them to, you know, to such an extent that if you work in IKEA, your, your focus on affordable design means that you would never dream of flying business class. There's no rule that says you can't fly business class, but you just wouldn't dream of it because that's not the brand of IKEA, the brand that as an employee you belong to. Yes, and I think even the founder, Ingvar Kamprad of IKEA, he really looks after that brand. He'll, whenever he flies to a, a kind of country to inspect some of their stores, he will always take the airport coach and so on and always stay in a cheap hotel and so, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Absolutely, and he's the he's the sort of original personification of the of the brand, and still going strong. I think he's he's ninety now, isn't he? He's he's yeah yeah, and he's got more money than uh, than anyone could ever need. But he's put it all into foundations and so on, and you know, yeah, really yeah. to protect the company and not really splashing it out. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So you touched nicely on this. So, what is the relation between the regular brand, as I would call it, and the employer brand? Well, I, I, the simple answer is they're the same thing. Um, a, re, a good organization, company, product, service has got one brand that um, – it, it, so that very similar thoughts and feelings are in the minds of um, customers out in the world, consumers, but also employees inside the business. Where there is a distinction um, is that um, – uh, behind um, all of this brand building work that companies do, um, there is the idea of the brand proposition. And the brand proposition is um, a statement that gets used inside an organization to sum up what people get from that company or product or service. And the proposition can be divided into a customer proposition and an employee proposition. So the customer proposition for IKEA is um, something like um, affordable solutions for better living. There's a phrase that's something like that. But there will also be 
an employee proposition that talks about the quality of the experience that you will get by working at IKEA, the benefits of working for IKEA. So if you like, <clears throat> it's the benefits of buying from IKEA, that's the customer proposition, and the benefits of working in IKEA, that's the employee proposition. So I think when people talk about an employer brand, what they often mean is an employee proposition. Mm. Yeah, so uh, like an EVP. An, an, exactly, an, 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 precisely, an, precisely, yeah. yeah. Employer value proposition. Indeed. Okay, well, that's good to know that uh, employer brand isn't just nonsense. It's been confirmed by, by yourself, an expert on brand. Fantastic. And uh, in general, brands, why do we still fall for them? Why do people in remote places still buy Manchester United T-shirts and even, you know, I'm a very cynical marketer, but I still fall for Apple and other brands. So what's the allure? Yeah, no, I was going to say the same thing. I'm, I'm um, you know, if anybody can see through the tricks of branding from my experience, I, 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 I can. But, but, but of course, I do, do fall for them as well. And, and, and an Apple would be definitely one of those um, for me to such an extent that if the company I work for, Wolf Olin's, ever said from now on, we're not going to use Apple. You have to use uh, Microsoft. I would, I would actually leave. I don't think I could operate in a business uh, like that. So um, why, why, why is all of this? Because I think um, what brands give us, both as consumers and as employees, is a couple of things that are really, really deep human needs. Um, one of them is, is meaning, um, and another would be belonging. Um, so... Um, um, Apple compared with other um, smartphones or other computers uh, has an additional meaning to do with the importance of design um, and the need for uh, machines to be to think about human beings and to behave in human-like ways, um, which really matter to me. One of the stories about Apple that really matters to me is that Steve Jobs was very influenced by his father the father who adopted him who who made furniture and um steve jobs's father used to say that it's really important to design the back of a sideboard um or a or, or a cupboard because even though it's up against the wall and nobody will see it um it's a mark of the integrity of the thing that you're making and therefore of your integrity and, and all that kind of stuff and, and for me, Apple, much more than its competitors, does think really deeply about the integrity of its products. So there's all of that meaning that I get from Apple. There's also a sense of belonging uh, to like-minded Apple users, Apple fans. Um, there's that kind of social sense. And I think increasingly, and in we live in an age, the, smartpho- the smartphone culture era, an age of sharing. And I think brands give us things that we can share with others. Um, and when I teach, I teach my students every year. I get a new group of students every September and they come from every corner of the planet. But within about 20 minutes, they are relating to each other through the medium of the brands that they mm. like and share because they know them, because brands are so universal. and They are a, a cultural currency that bring people together. So I guess that's the answer. That's why we, we, we can't help falling for meaning and belonging. Yeah, okay. And so if we take the case of Apple, so an incredibly strong brand, I think it was valued at the, at the most valuable brand in the world this year or last year. Um, now, I know people that work for Apple, and they say that uh, 
fantastic products, love it. However, as an employer, it's not the best place in the world. So how could there be a difference between that, that brand and the, the actual experience of an employee? Um, yes, I, I, I guess there could. I, I don't know um, uh, the story of what it's like inside Apple so well. Um, uh, in the best cases, um, there's a pretty good match between mm. um, the external and the internal. Um, so if you think of uh, – there's, there's a British retailer, John Lewis, um, yeah. that um, um, was set up to – uh, it was set up actually at the time of the soon after the Russian Revolution, and the owner wanted to make sure that those that something like that didn't happen in Britain, and he therefore gave he donated his company to his staff so that there would be a shared interest between staff and owners. They're the same people, and <clears throat> the whole brand of John Lewis is about uh, getting rid of conflict in a way, so that if you work inside John Lewis, you feel very strongly that sense of um, um, a collaborative and constructive, a non-adversarial way of doing business. And if you're a customer, you equally feel, uh, you know, if you take something back to a John Lewis shop, they're not going to argue with you. They'll give you a refund. Then there won't be a fight. Uh, and that's so that kind of non-adversarial brand flows equally internally and and externally. Um, and you know, the more um, brands are built these days. Uh, a little bit on advertising, but much more on the quality of the experience that customers have. And in any service business, the quality of that experience depends on um, the, the staff, the, the, the employees. So it's absolutely vital for the employees to know and love and feel and, and share the same feelings about the brand so that they can project those to uh, <clears throat> to. Uh, to employees and you know i think what a business like john lewis knows very simple formula which is that if you're nice to your staff they will be nice to customers and then customers will come back for more yeah great okay right so let's just get um, a short um um intro here to the do's and the don'ts in branding what, what are the goods and what are the bads and what are the what are the uglies uh well okay the um uh, I think it's important to appeal to um, to both sides of, 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 of um, us as human beings, the rational side and the intuitive and emotional side. So um, for me, the two really big things on the rational side are to keep being actually useful, um, to give people something that they uh, want and need, even if they didn't perhaps know that they wanted it and needed it and, 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 and to create products, uh, with real integrity. And, and, you know, that would be, um, and, and also to, to stay slightly ahead. So be giving people new things that they, maybe they're only just beginning to discover that they, that they need and they want. And that would be the secret of a brand like Tesla, which is a very small car company that is more valuable than many of the very big car companies because of its brand. Um, then the other half of it is the intuitive half of it, which is to make sure that um, you um, are in tune with your customers and your employees, that you share values with them, um, that you maybe lead a little bit in terms of those values and those emotions. And I think that's what, um, that's what, what, what John Lewis as well does, um, to go back to that example, um, 
do keep renewing. Um, so a brand that isn't constantly uh, coming up with fresh things, both for uh, consumers and employees, will gradually die. Um, but um, but stay true to yourself. So do keep refreshing, but don't start lying. Don't be false to yourself. Um, don't do things that aren't in your in your heritage. Um, so um, people will see through um, uh, untruthful, inauthentic brands very quickly. So summing all of that up, I would I would say three things to go for: something big, um, something simple, and something true. Fantastic. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned plenty of brands already, but uh, if you could pick your top three brands out there, which you, you wished you had created or managed, what would they be? Oh, okay. Um, um, well, they, they might be things that we did create. Or <laughs> yeah, why not? Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay. Um, well, Let's take three very different examples, and these these are not necessarily my 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 final top three because it's hard to choose. But sure. in terms of service, I would pick a British bank called First Direct, uh, <clears throat> which um, is by far the most recommended bank in Britain. Um, this is a brand that we did create in Wolf Islands before I joined, um, actually nearly thirty years ago, um, and. Um, First Direct is great because because of its people, because of its employees. Um, it sees itself as a communication business. It it's good at communicating with its customers. That happens to be in the world of banking, and it hires people for their communication skills, teaches them about banking. Um, so, to, just to give you an example of what it's like, my um, partner a few years ago uh, was writing a new book. Had got an advance for that book from. His publisher phoned up First Direct, said, can I please open a new account for this advance for my new book? And the person at First Direct on the phone said, oh, what's it about? Uh It's not what banks do. So that's a a fantastic example. And I think what's great about First Direct, and maybe if I can break the rules, I'll just pick this one rather than three because it demonstrates so many things, I think, um, that 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 it's it's great because it comes from the inside and the employees really believe it. it built. It comes out of a very, very strong internal culture, um, and I would say the people at First Direct probably spend more time and money um, nurturing that internal culture than they do on external advertising and brand building because they know how important it is. Um, and it's really lasted over time. It's just as true and real now as it was when it first started nearly 30 years ago. Although it is owned by HSBC now, isn't it? Yes, no, it has been owned by HSBC um, from the beginning. Ah. Um, uh, um, and, of course, the HSBC brand is, is a bit different. Um, but um, the, 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 um, First Direct is able to have, because First Direct is so successful, HSBC is happy for it to have brand independence within the HSBC world. Mm. I, do, I do wonder, companies like that... Uh, Innocent Smoothies is another one, which is mm. uh, very, very different type of company, which is, uh, um, you know, a fantastic employer brand and, and, you know, type of company that does the right thing from a um, purpose perspective and uh, corporate social responsibilities and all that stuff. But then they got bought out by Coca-Cola a couple of years oh. ago. You wonder what uh, how people think inside the organization. So 
went we went from a company spreading joy with you know fresh smoothies and so on, and now we're owned by a company that uh, um, that sells um, sugar water basically. Mm. Um. <clears throat> yeah, but um, however, the other side of that story is that. Um, Coca-Cola knows that it's not going to be, it won't survive only by selling sugar water. Uh, <clears throat> that sales of, of um, sugary drinks are declining in, uh, at least in, in, um, the, in the West. In the West. Um, and <clears throat> Coca-Cola therefore needs businesses like Innocent to, to start to, to build a future for itself. Um, so, um, so I think in these, in cases like First Direct in HSBC and Innocent within Coca-Cola, you will find the parent company very keen to learn about the culture, the employee value proposition and all that kind of stuff in the companies that it's bought because it wants to learn that stuff from them. Mm. Yeah, interesting that Zappos is another one. Yep. We, we were bought out by Amazon, so very different cultures, but it seems to they, they've just left them alone and it seems to work. Yeah, if you if you've got a strong culture and a strong brand, then of course you the the, the parent is not going to destroy the value that's in that. Mm. Great. All right. So, final question, Robert. Where can um, well give us a quick spiel of the book and where can where can we find it? And also, how can our listeners uh, connect with yourself? Um, okay. Well, the book is published by Oxford University Press, um, and it's published on the twenty second of June. So you can buy it. Um, as they say, at all good booksellers um, or online. Um, and it's called Branding, a very short introduction. Um, the easiest way to connect with me is on Twitter. So I am at Robert Jones 2. Um, I'm not sure who Robert Jones 1 is or even who Robert Jones is, but I'm Robert Jones 2 and um, always happy to, uh, to chat with people on Twitter. Robert, many thanks for your time. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Jorgen. It was, it, I enjoyed it. Okay, I hope that was useful. Everything Robert and I discussed will, of course, be in the show notes article, which you'll be able to find on Undercover Recruiter and EmployerBrandingPodcast.com. Now, in other news, do you need help with your brand, your company's brand? Sorry, can't help you there. You might want to speak to Robert. But employer brand? Yes, sure. Let's discuss perhaps a refresh or perhaps developing that employee proposition that uh, Robert talked about. EVP is how I normally refer to it. Feel free to get in touch with me at jorgen at linkhumans.com or just hit me up on the, the Twitters or LinkedIn. That's it for this week. Many thanks for tuning in and catch you next week. Hey, do So in the world of branding agencies, there are people called account managers whose job is to keep the client happy at all costs. So the joke is, how many account managers does it take to change a light bulb? The answer, how many would you like?